in one age, called the Third Age by some. An age yet to come. An age long past. A wind rose on the Geek at Arms podcast. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time. But it was a beginning. Welcome to Woolheads, a Wheel of Time podcast by Geek at Arms. I'm Brian, and here's a man that I think surely must be Taviran. It's James. The light illumine you, Brian. And you as well, James. And the light illumine all of our listeners, too. If this is your first time listening, um, why are you starting in the middle? <laughs> but also, we spoil everything here, books and show alike. So if you've never read the novels, we love you, but go away. Don't want to ruin the magic. If they're starting right now, that is fine. The wheel weaves as the wheel will. Yes, indeed. Well, last time we got an inkling of what motivated the Forsaken and their servants to persuade the light. Mm-hmm. Now that question has been presented quite openly to Rand, and it sounds like he's given in. Yeah. Uh, episode six, Eyes About Pity, have us rushing toward the end of the season and the battle at Falm. All roads lead to Falm. And I do mean rushing. Yeah. There's only two more episodes, and the writing's starting to feel a little crowded and frantic. <laughs> Especially considering that this was a much slower-paced episode than we've gotten in the last few not as much happened. We did get an interesting fight scene here, but I I, w- I don't know. With as much ground as they have to cover and how many episodes are left, they've they've got a lot to do. Yeah, it did feel a little like, like treading water, particularly the stuff with Rand and Moraine. It's like, are we going? No, we're not going. Are we going? Oh, no, we're not going. And now, oh, we're definitely not going. Yeah. I was excited for a moment because I thought, ooh, we're about to get the Matt and Rand uh, um, road trip part two. And it didn't happen. Right. Uh, let's talk about VFX just a little bit, because as you know, I am a VFX artist. Um, Swan's crown of swords effect. Yes. I want that shot for my reel. That looked so good. At first, I was <laughs> wondering what she was going to be. Well, not casting is the wrong word. Weaving. And then... The, the the blades appeared and she turned mm-hmm. and the blades turned with her. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> I, you know, they opened the door and they, they showed that it was Lan and I was disappointed. Yeah, because you wanted to see them used. Right? I, I was like, oh, please. I feel so sorry, but I don't for the bad guy who's going to open that door. I'm like, oh, it's just Lan. Boo. <laughs> oh, darn it. We can't kill him. Yeah. So- <laughs> He's got plot armor. But, uh, the, the effects are making me wonder why haven't I tried to get work at Cinecite? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because they're in London or Vancouver, but still. Yeah. Check out the, the Wheel of Time page on their website. It has a really cool breakdown of the, uh, the one power weave effects, mm-hmm. the different colors that they use and how they combine. We spend quite a bit of time in the world of dreams in this episode. And the cool effect of like people entering and leaving uh, Teleron Rio. Yeah. Like their bodies just kind of falling apart or reassembling it it only happens a couple of times but it stood out to me like that looks very cool that's someone using their imagination and, and it was the same effect as we saw uh when ashamel was quote destroyed at the end of the first season it was that same effect yeah. so that whole thing at the eye of the world took place in tell aaron riode apparently makes sense and the uh the little jump cuts that they do you know that the discontinuities that you get when you're dreaming, I thought that's that's kind of cool. It's it's very simple, but it's effective. I agree. We do spend a lot of time with Egwene 
in this episode. Mm-hmm. And continuing the tradition of just dipping their toe in the horror genre, <laughs> we do see some interesting effects when Egwene goes to reach for the Adame for the first time. Mm-hmm. The that had to have been affected the way that her hand and her her arm distorted the way she racked her body. Um, part of no, it was probably it looked- the actress, but I think some of it was was effects with the actress distorting her own body, just the way her yeah. her hand bent. And I'm like, okay, either that's really cool effect to make it look a, a touch of body horror, or that actress is just incredibly incredibly limber. Have you ever had a cramp that just twists one of your limbs? like that yes i have actually yeah. uh, that's it, it, I, I was re-experiencing that as i was watching her i was like oh man that is effective <laughs> the way the way her butt the rest of her body stiffened up from it mm-hmm. felt totally realistic and you're with yeah. her you're like back away back away mm-hmm. some of the other effects like the the vibration and, and blurry thing that they were doing when she was being punished mm-hmm. eh. yeah it got, okay. got old, yeah. overused. Um, I do want to talk about the music for a moment. Much of the music in this show has been okay. We've talked about this before. It, yeah, it's it, understated. Very understated. I really liked the music with the scenes with the green being trained. A lot of bass, mm. n- rhythmic, not rhythmic, but melodious bass notes. It was very reminiscent of scenes in Return of the Jedi featuring Darth Vader. Mm. Um, very low, very sinister sounding. Letting you have to watch it for a third time to <laughs> pick that up. <laughs> um, just the musical undertones stating whatever is happening in this scene is evil. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of that scene and so forth, uh, the acting, um, Madeleine Madden, you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, you are killing it as Egwene Alvere. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little over the top in the last two shots, but the scene leading leading up to that was, I was I was in tears. That was yeah, horrifying and wonderful and you, amazing. It's, it's so easy to sympathize with her and what she's going mm-hmm. through, and and to feel every single bit of it with her, her anger, her fear, her frustration. Now she's doing a wonderful job. Who says there's not good acting in fantasy genre shows? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think we've left that behind the, for the most part. There's there's still some stinkers out there, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that the genre has been elevated the last few years. I agree completely. And once again, sticking with the whole dipping their toe into the body horror thing, uh, the one fight scene that we do have um, between mm-hmm. a, you know a yellow Aja, a yellow sister, and her warder. Oh gosh, which yeah. I fell in love with those two. Mm-hmm. I forget the sister's name. She was just Rima, Rima and her war. They were, they were so fun. I liked them so much. And, and once again, it was a lovely balance, almost a dance of a warder and Aya Sedai working together. Mm-hmm. And, and when the, I, I wasn't entirely sure what she did when he passed in front of her. Was he, at, was she enhancing him somehow? I didn't see anything go from her to him. I think it was just them meeting eyes Giving, she was just weaving around him. Yeah, I think it was just meant to give the audience the impression that these two were in sync. And it did. <laughs> yeah. The way that she takes out the, I forget, are the ones who are leashed called the Suldom? Yeah. The, well, no, she doesn't take out the Suldom. She takes out the Merith Demone. Uh, the, the Demone is the leashed one. 
Okay. The Suldom is the controller. Merith Thank the Mani is one who should be leashed. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listeners, let me ask y'all a question. Do you like names? Do you like a series that has a lots and lots of names and half the names sound exactly like each other and the other halves, whether they're things or people, they don't sound like anything else anywhere? Then have I got a series for you. Except for the ones that sound kind of like something else. Anyway, she attacks the Suldame, the ones controlling. And mm. did you see the, her, her working her fingers and she's basically folding him into a pretzel. And yeah, well, it, it was distinctly a yellow Aja thing. She was giving her a disease at one point and then, yeah, folding her up. It's like, that is the way the yellow Aja would fight. Yeah, someone someone who terrifying. has a deep knowledge of human anatomy. Mm-hmm. There's no fireballs here. We're just going to break you. Mm-hmm. And I, and for the record, I think that the rest of the Sianchan, who you see like a couple of dozen walk around the corner, they had laid eyes on her. There should have been like a look. They they rush in, see her crumpled into a cube on the ground, look back up and go, nope, and walk right back out. Because I would have, if I'd nope. seen that, I would Nobody came at her with a sword. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very true. It broke my heart when we see her get leashed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a feeling in my gut that it was going to happen. And I did like the moment of, She's begging her warder, do it. Kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're asking too much, sweetie. He can't. Yeah. What warder could? But in the book, uh, Rima had already been leashed by the time Egwene was captured. So we never got to see her free in the novel. She was like halfway to being broken already. Um, and I think that uh, she and Basan are kind of shortchanged by the fast pace of the the season. If we had two more episodes, I think mm-hmm. there would be more. We said that for the first season, too. Yeah. Um, but in spite of that, I loved how much of, of them that we did get to see. Yeah, they deserved more, especially the actor and actress who played them. They did them so well. But I, I suspect we're going to see more of Rima in the, the next episode. I hope so. You know what I enjoyed about their, their look, their get up? Afro-centered fantasy is something that we see basically none of. Mm-hmm. And to see to whose who's costuming looks like it could be influenced by that was beautiful. I made a note of uh, Basson's costume also. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Everything about him. Everything about both of them. Uh, I, I hope that she is not someone who uh, her fate gets either left on the cutting room floor or as a, uh, a fatality to main character syndrome. Because mm. I think she was one of the the way that she was also talking to Nynaeve. Yes. The, the way that she was just talking plainly to her and cur- giving her simple encouragement <laughs> saying, hey, this is no different than someone coming to you needing needing healing. She's talking to her like a healer to a healer. And mm. like that's what's going to help Nynaeve break through her block. But she was also dying her hard. Oh, totally hard. Yeah. She, she didn't give the special mission to Elaine because Elaine's already dedicated. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. Nynaeve, you have to take this to the White Tower. It's up to you. You're my sister. Like, oh, wow, yeah. Laying it on thick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Even when faced with certain death, an Aya Sedai is going to Aya Sedai. Yep. Um, <sighs> it was a terrific example of their their soft and almost invisible manipulations that they do. Mm-hmm. Well, they do like to claim that they invented the game. <laughs> and once again, we we've talked about this a lot. We're probably only going to get eight episodes this season. We need more. At, yes. at least 10. 
I think 12 would have been spot on. Yeah, I think specifically this episode, and you said there's not much happened, but the things that did happen, I think wanted more time, especially Egwene's storyline. Agreed. Because I can't help but stack this one up against Babylon 5's intersections in real time or uh, Star Trek's <sighs> Chain of Command Part 2. Yes. And Madden is obviously up for the challenge. I'm not sure about the actress playing Rena, but I think this could have been a really great, you know, psychological manipulation episode. I agree. They, they, they undercut it by having Rena brutalize her instead of the, from the book, it was this sweet, gentle degradation. Yeah. A lot more Death. Dolores Umbridge and less Torquemada. <laughs> I equated it I to, think, and this this analogy gets brought up in the book by a different person. The way that you train or that you um, you start to break a horse is that you start it by just by gently touching it, a little bit here, mm -hmm. a little bit there, more and more, until it starts to trust the hand, and then it wants expects the hand, then it wants the hand. And uh, right. now that was a very vivacious woman talking about a man, parent specifically, but <laughs> the 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 analogy stands here as well. Right. Yeah. But speaking of romance, a, torture. Whatever. It's a thin line between the two. Moving on. In <laughs> um, this kind of goes into my Copeland talk. Uh, I know the the episode was called Eyes Without Pity, but really it should have been called The Breaking of Egwene. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't know whose eyes they were talking about because that's a, a reference to a chapter in The Eye of the World, and in there the Eyes Without Pity were the uh, the ravens. Mm -hmm. There were no ravens in this episode. I don't know whose eyes without pity here i'm guessing mm -hmm. Egwene's trainer yeah but, oh yeah this now i knew the that of the sean sean throne is the raven interesting so I'm sure that was it, accidental probably too much symbology with them way too much okay. but i knew that this was going to come i just seeing a, a person specifically a woman tortured like this physically and mentally it just always gets to me especially when you know, after what is the woman's name? The Sianchan who's training her? Uh, Rena. Rena, thank you. Uh, especially when Rena has a green channel reaching out to the tree and making it catch on fire. Um, she's like, here, pour the water. And a green takes it and just either, she, I forget, she either takes her or she pours it out. Rena throws her to the ground and starts kicking her. She she reached for the pitcher and couldn't grab it because she still that's right. Was well, thinking it, of it as a weapon, but but still, I mean, the, particulars the are aside. Of, results are yeah. the same. I don't know. I'm a big fan of show don't tell, but I think in this case, I would have rather had just a little bit. Of, oh yeah, a I, little I'd more be, off screen. A little yeah. more off screen. A little bit on screen. And again, I think that that was not was not the best way to approach this particular this particular relationship. Agreed. Because it would have been much better with the. Treating her like a a uh, a misbehaving puppy, you know, mm -hmm. like like it happened in the books, because that would be. Which you think that we're going to get that when she mm -hmm. finds out Egwene's name is like, oh, that's a lovely name. It's like I some people think that um, the money must be broken. I believe that it is better when you cultivate a friendship with them. Yeah. Like that gets thrown out in about 24 hours, sweetheart. OK, but a lot of patience you're showing. This is why you're not allowed down at the dog kennel anymore. <laughs> yeah. No more puppies for you. For either you or Leandrin. <laughs> right. 
Something that bummed me out is that we finally get to hear an Ogier tree sing. Mm. Unhappy that it happened while he was in change. Yeah, it was it was cool though. I liked I liked the interpretation of the of the tree singing. Agreed. Um, a lot of puking in this episode. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> it hadn't occurred to me to notice it, but it, yes, in retrospect, there was more 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 than average for this show. Yeah, the only too much puking, not enough bathing. <laughs> Well, one usually comes before the other. So the the next episode, <laughs> everyone takes a bath. <laughs> or are we done with our Copland talk? Oh, not even close. Um, <laughs> I'll get through these fast. One thing I noticed when we're in Teleron Riyadh, and this is a continuation of the last scene of the last episode, we see Rand shirtless in Lanfear's dream because, mm-hmm. of course, hashtag Lanfear. These people from Edmondsfield are supposed to be farmers, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, why, Rand why, was primarily a shepherd. Well, still. Yeah, most of them are farmers. Yeah, uh, they, they, yeah. How come none of them have farmer's tans? Well, because it's cold in the, in the two rivers and they have to wear long sleeves. And head protection and neck protection. And apparently they put something on their faces and hands. It's just. They, they lived in the Misty Mountains. It's never sunny. <laughs> I guess that's why. Uh <laughs> I already talked about how I was bummed that we are denied the Matt Rand buddy trip that we should have gotten in season yeah. one. We like, oh, but they traveled together. Okay, no, they kind of traveled together. That was not what I wanted, though. Okay? They were bickering the entire time. Exactly. Yeah. Also, Min's vision of Matt flat out killing Rand. Mm-hmm. Is that a product of the show? Or was there a similar scenario in the books? I don't think recall anything of that sort in the books i think that's that's just the show okay that's what and I i'm thought. wondering now if it's even real if maybe ishamael forged that vision mm-hmm. because otherwise it, it wrecks men's ability because what she sees and knows is going to happen will happen yeah there's no avoiding it and i also don't believe ishamael's promise of i will take away your curse yeah if you've seen any show where the villain makes a promise, he's going to take away the curse by killing you, dear. Okay. That also. Don't they call you the father of lies? Yeah. <laughs> Betrayer of hope. Wasn't that a thing? I blame, I, I, I blame the, the Carrie education system. I don't know where she grew up. In the book, it was bear long. Who knows about the show? She looks, uh, I don't know what she looks in terms of. We'll say she's some tear. I don't know. Anyway, she's she looks like she's from uh, one of the northern kingdoms. Yeah, Shinar was uh, largely Asian influenced. It looked like, and mm-hmm. Lan has that uh, Korean thing going on. Yep. So, Borderlander probably. <clears throat> Borderlander probably. Borderlander. Yes, you have to say it with a deeper voice. Borderlander. Just saying it without my voice cracking would be good. <laughs> well, that wrapped up my Copland talk. Okay. Well then, uh, for things that I think are a little bit more positive, uh, Rand. Getting in way deeper with Lanfear, um, I think is a good move at this at this junction in the in the context of the show, mm-hmm. because we don't have his friends around him wondering if he's going to go insane. So he desperately needs a little bit more drama in his life. Yeah, he does. I mean, Interesting. He doesn't need it, but we need it for him, right? I was worried when Ishmael entered Rand's dream. Uh, mm-hmm. Worried about where this was going to go. I wasn't expecting it to happen in this episode. But then Lanfear shows up and gives me my favorite line of the entire episode. 
Ishy Deer. Ishy Deer. I had to pause the show because I'm just laughing on the couch going, she called him Ishi. <laughs> I can't call him anything else now. That always was his nickname in the fan community. So Really? I love that they, yeah. Yeah. The board that we called him Ishi because oh, writing a email all the time was obnoxious. That makes it even better. Ishi. <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of Lanfear, I really enjoyed the scene between her and Leandrin. Oh, yeah. Talk about emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone else walks into this room with Leandrin and her son, she's it's an insta-kill. Like, Nynaeve survived by the skin of her teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Lanfear's line. You got, like, oh, okay, you get one. The next time I'll flay your bones. <laughs> <laughs> And Leandrin is just so used to being the one in charge. And this is her safe space. This is her fortress of solitude. This is the place where no one else comes. And then one of the forsaken just walks in. And you can tell she she's flummoxed. She is so uncomfortable. Uh, her yeah. greatest... And Lanfear takes with both hands. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, you, you sold your soul to save your son. Well, we're just going to go ahead and kill him anyway. I'm doing what only another woman could do for you. I am free. The way she manipulates her, the language that's used. It's like, I'm taking, you know, you, 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 you made your pact. Oh, and you've made it. There's no going back on it. Mm. But uh, you, this is, this is to free you. Okay. I'm doing you a favor. You should thank me. And she believes that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, believing or not, that doesn't matter. She's mm. chosen her path. But now it makes me wonder, we're about to have a Leandrin Unchained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that uh, tie back to Tarvalon is no longer there. You're right. Mm-hmm. No fear about anyone finding out. And mm. we'll see what happens with the character next. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. Um, yeah, that, that kind of changes the way I thought things. I was kind of liking that she had this this vulnerability and this tie back to Tarvalon. But now that's gone. So that upends kind of my, some of my theories. Same. I sincerely loved the reunion between Matt and Rand. Yes. That was, it was just what I was hoping for. I mean, you could see the emotion on their face, specifically Matt. And it felt genuine and real. And this is the first scene we've had with these two actors yeah. together. And I'm going to go back to this again in a moment, but I just want to talk about uh, Donald Finn's Matt. Um, mm-hmm. you and I talked quite a bit about how much we enjoyed the season one, Matt. He, he was excellent to watch. We really enjoyed him, but we can also really enjoy this new Matt as well without taking away anything from the first season. It's kind of like Dr. Who. Yeah. Whether it's, I liked the performance. I didn't like the characterization. Fair. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Um, I thought the Matt from the first season, excellent acting, but I don't like how he was written. Yeah, And that's not his fault. He's doing the best that he can with the material that he was given. But I think that along with this new character, hopefully the, the, the writers have listened to some of the criticism because yeah. this season's Matt is far more in line with mm-hmm. how we envisioned Matt to truly be. Is he perfect to put Matt? Of course not. That's not what this series no, is about. Yeah. But it's truer to the core character of who Matt is. Someone who's a scamp. Someone who loves to gamble, loves to drink, bounce a woman on his knee, 
get in some Somebody trouble. Somebody who can take pleasure in his life. Exactly. But he's also going to be there for his friends. And and people <laughs> Except like for what but, he isn't. Yeah. But but I know you're going to some people will, will criticize him like but he didn't go with Rand. No, he didn't because he really believed that by doing so was going to save Rand's life. Mm-hmm. Because and this is something I believe needs to be more of a focus in this show is not the friendship, but the brotherhood of Rand, yes. Matt, and Perrin. These mm-hmm. three boys were basically each other's brothers in the two rivers. I mean, within months apart of age, growing up together, laughing together, playing together, getting into trouble together, uh, falling in love with the same girls, apparently, <laughs> according to the show anyway. And Rand's dad was Matt's dad, and 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 Matt knew his parents, uh, parents, 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 parents. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> I would rather not. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. There there truly was a brotherhood between these three central characters. I mean, they're even Tay Varen together. And I want to see more of that in this show. I'm hoping that when all of these paths cross and fall, that we'll begin to see that. There needs to be the tear for there needs to be Matt and Rand going to Falm, Perrin finding them, Perrin seeing Matt like Parents seeing Rand like, you're still alive? Pulling him to a crushing bear hug. Matt smiling to himself, wiping a tear away. And then you see Perrin's fist fly out from off screen, grab him by the shirt, pull him into the hug too. (laughs) I know no one at Amazon is listening, but if you are, make that happen. Just just make it happen. Um, We definitely need more more of those relationships. We do. We do positive relationships, not yeah. always drama and soap. Exactly, we're getting good female relationships between mm-hmm. Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine. Guys, I wanted to talk about yeah. Elaine for a second, actually. Yeah, go ahead. Because she's got this wonderful regal thing going on. It's like she's firm, she's positive about what she's doing. No, we're staying here and we're going to rescue our friend. Mm-hmm. But she's polite to Rima and. Her relationship with Nynaeve, you can see there's just a little bit of exasperation. We know that's going to grow later on, but uh, what is the her her name? I don't remember the actress. Ciara Kiara Coveney. Um, Something like that. Anyway, yeah, it's I'm looking at her at her page right now, but I've really I've, fa- I've, fall, I've fallen in love with her, Elaine. I love like why mm-hmm. why why are you wanting to do this? You barely know her. She's my friend. Yes. She's like, but you barely know her. I didn't have any friends growing up. She's my friend. There's a finality to that statement. I'm staying for her, period. End of story. Totally see her as a queen in training. Oh, yes. One one? other interesting change. uh, A temple to the Forsaken. This is something that has no place in the books. I mean, every dark friend we encounter, I mean, a couple of them knew one another and had relationships, but the idea that there's a place where they would assemble is completely new. And I think... I thought it was more like a temple to a, spe- a specific Forsaken. Like, this is a temple to Grindal, or to um, to Lanfier, or one of the others. So, I don't know. That's where my mind went. Not a temple to mm-hmm. all the Forsaken, because I could definitely see uh, quite a few of the Forsaken building up a temple to themselves. Like, worship me! Yeah. But it's like the, the Black religion of Middle-earth. You know, it's implied that Oh yeah, there's there's some kind of religion around the dark one, but it's never really detailed. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another indication that the show's taking religion a little bit more seriously than Jordan himself did. I, I really like it. Agreed. 
Do we have any other changes that we'd like, or shall we look to the future? There were more, but I think uh, I'm ready for some theory crafting. So the Amberlin has come to carry in, and she has come mm-hmm. with an entourage. And somehow she picked up Leandrin on the way. Don't know when that happened. And Leandrin... yeah, I assume that she must have been almost all the way back at Parvalon and just said, okay, uh, just send a messenger forward and get these ladies yep. down here. With, I'm with going us. to turn around. The rest of you are going to ride double time. Make it snappy, girls. I see that she is going to be taking charge of Rand or going to try to take charge of Rand and all of that. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be the audience that was supposed to have happened in Faldara at the beginning. Mm-hmm, I agree. Because we've got most of the same Aes Sedai. We've got Leandrin, Alana, Liani, Varen, and Moraine mentioned Anaya, so she's probably there too. Uh, the only one who can't be there is Megan, because obviously she's been captured by the Shantan. Yeah. And based on the preview for the next episode, I think we're finally going to get a, uh, a Rand and Land training session, at least one. I'm hoping for a training montage, parallel training montage <laughs> with Rand and Lan and Rand and Loghain. We're going to need some snappy 80s synth music to make up for time. <laughs> I, th- I, hope... I, I could go without that. but Oh, I uh... can't. I want that desperately. Moving on. I think that would be cool to see. I don't think that it's going to end with the Amerlin letting Moraine take and take take Rand and and company to farm. I think what's going to happen is that Rand is going to end up in kind of house arrest, but is going to be allowed to train with uh, train with Loghain, allowed to to train with the sword, and because we do we like you said we do need to see some scenes of Lan and Rand together. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is going to happen is that Matt's going to be the one to break him out. Oh, that could be good. Yeah. And Rand's like, where were you? Like, okay, so I was a few minutes late. I'm sorry. <laughs> Better late than never. So you said you were going to meet. I thought you weren't going to come. Like, I met a cute girl. Okay, forgiven. Let's go. <laughs> Did I say an hour? Oh, sorry. I thought I thought I said two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, typical Matt. Yes, but it's been two months since then. <laughs> it's been two months since then. <laughs> so Matt will break him out. Maybe Moraine will try to go with them because she's kind of persona non grata with the eyes to die right now. Um, and they'll go to make their way to Falm. Oh, I see it. Moraine talks Matt into breaking him out. I can see that too. Maybe not talks, yeah. but maybe nudges him. Well, it's all the same, mm-hmm. really. Um, right. <laughs> he says something arch and he does what he wants, which happens to be what she wants. I do think that we need to see more training with Loghain because if anyone is going to remove the block from Moraine, it's got to be Rand. Yeah, that's true. He's like, yes, Logan's been training me. I can see the weaves. And w- wait, there's something around you. What are you talking about? There's something right there. Get it off. No, no, no. It's not a spider. It's, <laughs> it's, he reaches, okay, no, don't do it. No, no, be fine. Don't do it. Click, boom. And she goes flying through a wall. And, <laughs> but she can, you know, that might be a little too slapsticky for it. But, uh, you know, the end result, Maybe, yeah. the end result will be the same. <laughs> but anyway, as I've said the last three times, on to farm. Yes. I, I have, I have one more theory. Uh, Jonas, the Damodred servant, has been singled out now in two episodes. I think he's going to be more important. He, he's got to have some kind of importance. They've drawn too much attention to him. So, dark friend, maybe? Damodred. Or, oh, okay. The older the guy that Moraine, yeah, the old guy that Moraine gave the letter to. So it's like Chekhov's gun, but it's Chekhov's manservant. Yes. <laughs> Quite possible. Quite possible. That would be interesting. And... 
uh, heartbreaking because he kind of does give off a um, Alfred vibe as someone who's just kind of in the background is older, caring, loving, but also very capable. As long as it's not the nephew who's going to be king. Although I, know, I was thinking kind of more of a creature from uh, Harry Potter vibe. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But maybe that's just because he's hunched. <laughs> well, what we don't know is the hunch is the creature. Ooh. It never sleeps. It is always awake except when I drink. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm crossing shows. Sorry. Speaking of Babylon 5. We already 5. talked about Babylon 5 this episode. <laughs> we can't do it again. Well, I think that that will probably wrap it up for us. I think so, too. So until next time, please favor your sword. <laughs>